Hey everyone, thanks for joining King's Talk prevent- <laughs> presented by Cap City Crown. <laughs> um, yeah, we're just going to leave that in there because, you know, it's a human mistake. But uh, it's, it's, it's here. The day has finally arrived. Uh, it's draft day. There has been so much news really since the Kings got that fourth selection in the NBA lottery. Um, you know, of course, it's starting to pick up a lot with the draft, you know, with this week in general. A lot of news, a lot of stuff happening. Um, John, you want to, I don't know, you want to give us a little breakdown? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's almost fitting that on draft day, uh, you made a human mistake because I'm sure we'll find out when uh, that first round or when all the picks are made tonight that uh, a lot of us made a lot of human mistakes because we're going to probably be surprised by a lot of things um, and find out that a lot of us were wrong about a lot of things. But, um, you know, nevertheless, as it approaches, it's just a few hours away, um, it does seem, at least if you're reading some of the uh, draft wizards out there, um, it seems as if there just isn't enough pull to get Sacramento out of that fourth position in the draft. And it seems like they're going to be picking fourth in all likelihood. Um, You know, uh, Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated, uh, John Hollinger of The Athletic, um, and Jonathan Giovanni of ESPN all were saying in the last, you know, 24 hours that they just don't see the necessary value being out there. And of course, as uh, Jeremy Grant just got traded to the Portland Trailblazers, um, one of the guys that had been commonly listed as a potential big-name veteran addition for the Kings if they were to move back, um, you know, he's no longer there. He's no longer available. With him gone, it seems even more likely that that value does not exist. And, you know, we discussed that kind of this week in an article. Um, it kind of spoke for itself. There just isn't really a whole lot to do. And... Uh, it seems most likely, and again, human mistakes surround us all, especially when it comes to drafting, um, but uh, or trying to guess who gets drafted. But uh, it just seems, though it's not a hundred percent, it just seems that the Kings are, you know, basically picking between, you know, a fork in the road. One side going towards Ivy at number four, and the other side going with Murray at number four. The age-old question that seems to start that kind of started when the Kings got the fourth pick. Uh, you know, do you take the best player in the draft or do you take the best fit? Um, but that's kind of how it, where it stands right now, you know? Yeah, no, I that's where it is. Um, especially with that Grant move uh, yesterday afternoon. Because, um, I don't know, I, I would have liked, if anything, to move back one spot into that um, that fifth pick where the Pistons were. And I mean, yeah, I mean, Sadiq Bay is still there. Um, but I mean, it, it was either, you know, a Sadiq Bay or Jeremy Grant kind of trade to swap picks. Maybe the Kings give up homes or someone in the process. But I would have liked having Grant on the team. Um, you know, he um, he's a good defender. He can play that stretch four. Um, you probably wouldn't have had to give up Barnes for him. Um but, you know, he's in Portland now, so, I mean, unless the Pistons are willing to give up Bay, which I just I just don't see them being willing right. to do it for, like, a pick swap. Um, 
it doesn't seem like they're going to move back that pick. Um, I think the Kings are either going to draft Ivy or move back to get Murray. They can trade to the Pacers, hope to hope that the Pistons don't take Murray with the fifth pick. Um, but then even wh- who are you getting from, you know, the Pacers? I, there are some talks about, uh, you know, Miles Turner, even Chris Darte, um, that rookie last year who was pretty mm-hmm. solid. Um, so and Malcolm Brogdon, of course. So there are some pieces there, but I think at the end of the day, you have to walk away with either Ivy or Murray. So if you're staying at that fourth spot, I believe the Kings will take Ivy. I, like I know Murray's the better fit. And he's not that much, you know, he's still a really good prospect. He's not that far behind Ivy, but Ivy's just the clear cut fourth, uh, you know, fourth pick. And, you know, there's still the possibility of him jumping up into that top three. I don't see it happening, but, you know, who knows? You know, I, I think the Kings will get a mixture of the top four, most likely Ivy. But, um, yeah, it's just hard seeing them trade back now, um, mm-hmm. unless with the Pacers. You, you can't go back too far. Um you know, the Hornets and, you know, they're trying to trade their lottery picks for some talent or the Knicks and the Knicks don't, you know, they just don't have a lot to offer. So I think, you know, I think the Kings will probably stand pat at that fourth spot. There were reports that came out saying that the Kings are feeling more comfortable picking, um, especially with that report with John Collins coming out now that the Kings are interested in getting him and talks have been discussed without the fourth pick being involved. And you wrote a nice article on that the other day saying, you know, if the Kings get John Collins, you know, Keegan Murray is not so much of a, uh, you know, priority at that point because you have that power forward for the future. Collins, you know, is on a, you know, he signed a contract a couple of years ago, a year ago. Um, so he signed for a couple more years, I believe. Um, so then that Murray, you know, Murray can play the three, I suppose. But um, I don't know. I, it seems like, if you get Collins without giving up that fourth pick, then Ivy is the obvious pick. And, you know, uh, Ivy has a lot of star potential. Um, it would hard, it would be hard to pass on Ivy and then watching him do big things in this league. You can't, you can't have another Luka Doncic situation. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are really high on this guy. So you really have to be careful. You can't just, you know, if there's, you know, the potential exists for sure. So, it's a weird spot, but um, kind of going back to that Jeremy Grant and John Collins discussion, um, you know, the Portland got Jeremy Grant and they were one of the suitors for John Collins as well. And that was reported in the other day. And so that might take away their interest in pursuing John Collins, um, making it, you know, a little more, I guess, not clear. So of course, there's a couple more suitors as well, but that definitely eliminates I mean, not One necessarily. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I mean, Portland can always use they can always use more players around Lillard, but um, I don't know if they'd be able to afford both of them, would they? I think they could. Have, I don't know. I, I bet they could, but yeah, you'd have to, you know, balance the checkbook somehow. And I don't know if they have the capital to trade. I, I mean, unless you trade, what is it, uh, Portland's drafting seventh, I believe, sixth, seventh. No, seventh. Seventh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you trade the seventh pick for Collins, which, you know, I don't think Collins is worth. Um, it, it seems like, yeah. I don't know. It seems like so far the Kings, the only news I've heard um, about Collins was that the Kings have, you know, 
deal in place. I even read something that uh, something about Collins and Huerta and uh, what the Hawks picking 15th, 16th for 16th. the 16th for the fourth pick, which I don't, I don't really like that. I really just get Collins yeah. without <laughs> without that. Yeah, given the report, I think that if they're going to get Collins, it's going to be um, not involving the fourth pick, as Sham said. But, um, you know, a couple things there. First of all, the Sadiq Bey thing, just to address it. Yeah, that was never going to happen. But it's proof that, you know, of course there's value out there, but it's like you have to be realistic about this. And, you know, I, I think we've all fallen victim to a few smoke screens and just kind of hype when it comes to drafting talk here and there. Um, but it's just like that wasn't going to happen. You have to think realistically about value. And also it's just like, well, maybe you could get some value from Indiana, but you have to know that if someone's trading up to number four, or if, I mean, if Indiana is trading up to number four, they're doing it to get Ivy. That means Detroit's most likely, you know, if you read all the mock drafts, you know, because they have Ivy going fourth to the Kings, everybody has Murray going fifth to Detroit saying, if that's how it goes, if Detroit has that fifth pick and Ivy gets picked fourth, they're most likely going to pick Murray. Murray won't be available if you trade back with the Pacers, you know, in short. Um, so it, it really limits their um, options there. I guess the only trade possibility that really seems feasible is the one that John Hollinger mentioned, which was trading the um, swapping the fourth for the fifth and also getting the 46th pick this year and two future second rounders. You know, just a simple swap. Both teams get the guy they really want. The Kings get Murray on a cheaper contract, the rookie scale, how, you know, how that works. They basically be getting um, Murray for like, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars cheaper, most likely up to like $750,000, I think, if they did the max on that. But, you know, you save a little bit of money. You're getting Murray at the right place. You're getting a little bit of value for it. That would make a lot of sense. Though that would obviously kind of... You know, considering all the talk we had about, you know, the value and the lucrative nature of this fourth pick, it would be a little anticlimactic if, you know, that is the trade that happens or no trade happens. Not saying that's bad, but, you know, we kind of came into this going like, and even people that aren't, you know, following the Kings in any way, um, even they were just like, oh, what's going to happen? This is really really a source of entertainment and drama, but uh, it probably won't come to that. Um, you know, I guess probably the biggest thing that can happen in terms of Kings fans and people who are watching the Kings here um, is taking Ivy. I think Ivy would be the big, you know, big headline, you know, you take Murray. It's like, all right, you got your fit. People will just be questioning it. You take Ivy and everybody's going to go nuts. You probably, that probably definitely sets you up to go get Collins. Um, and you know, that might mean, I don't know, that might mean moving Davion Mitchell. That might be moving a future first round draft pick and then some more draft capital. I don't know what that would mean to get John Collins, but I mean, there's a reason that, um, you know, uh, I think it was Hollinger said this, I keep citing his uh, latest mock draft, but he said, you know, he laid out like all these percentages of things happening. And he says at the end of the day, no matter what happens, the likelihood that the Kings get Ivy is still the most, you know, that's the highest that has the highest odds of happening. And, you know, 
I don't know if I necessarily agreed with the other percentages he gave out, but I agree with that. And I just think that with the Collins report, you know, don't be surprised if you see a major shakeup, not just getting Collins and, in, in, you know, getting a, you know, arguably the guy with the highest ceiling to some people, or maybe the top three highest ceiling, um, and Ivy and, you know, it, uh, that, that, that might end up happening, and it might, you know, like I said, deliver a major shakeup. Don't get, don't be surprised. You know, this team traded Tyrese Halliburton. Don't be surprised if Davion Mitchell gets traded, you know? Um, who knows? I mean, like, we keep talking about Rashawn Holmes getting traded, and I know we'll get to this press conference later, but Rashawn Holmes was at the, the press conference yesterday. Does that mean that he's going to be on the team next season? No, I don't know. You know, the likelihood that they want to move that money because – you know, I don't know if he 100% fits with what they want to do. You'd be paying him a lot to come off the bench, maybe. And maybe that's not the role he wants to play. It just makes so much more sense to move him. Um, but Davion Mitchell's at that press conference, too. That means they kind of, you know, that just everybody's in the same boat, I guess is what I'm trying to say in the NBA. And, you know, I just with the Collins report, um, depending how they do it, it might mean having to give up Davion Mitchell. But, you know, it would be tough to say that that's a bad decision because you'd be getting Ivy. You'd be getting that upside. You'd be getting that ceiling and you'd be getting that win now player. It'd be the best of both worlds. And I hate to say that because, you know, even when Tyrese Halliburton was on this team, Davion Mitchell was my favorite of the three point guards. I just always loved the way he played on defense. I think that just overtook it for me, but you know, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Um, I, you know, I love Davion Mitchell. I think, I don't know if it's just Kings fans or just fans in every franchise. They love their young players, especially their rookies. Um, uh, something about a rookie is so like fresh, and you want to see him do well. And it, yeah, it's just like a breath uh, breath of fresh air. And so, um, you know, like we get attached a little, and we, you know, I Ty, Tyrese Halliburton, I think, is even different because Tyrese Halliburton really showed that he had what it take. He had. Um, you know what it takes to make it in this league, like as a big time player. Um, Davion, you know, he was a rookie, whatever. Like, he he had some great games, but it seems like his role in this NBA will mostly be like a defensive specialist, almost like a Patrick Beverly at his prime, I guess, in a way. And Patrick Beverly, when he was at his best, like, he was a really good player and he was on playoff teams being the starting point guard on like the Rockets and stuff. Right, I'll um, let you finish, but if Davion Mitchell can be a sharp shooting three point shooter, that takes him to a whole nother level. But yeah, that like you're saying, not a full picture there. There's very little to go off of. But I'll let you continue. Yeah, well, yeah, he's a rookie, and um, I, you know, if he can get John Collins, and, and if you draft Jaden Ivy, you know, and then you're just getting a logjam at that guard position again. And not saying Ivy's, I mean, Mitchell could somehow be better than Ivy, but I mean. You're drafting Ivy at the four spot and well, we got Mitchell at the nine and people are definitely higher. I mean, Ivy has a higher ceiling than Mitchell does at this yeah. moment. At the, at the end of the day, and this is proof, like speaking of Ivy, you know, everybody, including myself was like, kind of like, well, I don't think Ivy's coming to Sacramento based on Giovanni's report last week that that's not his preferred destination. The fact that he didn't work out for them and all that stuff. And then even Mark Stein reported something that I'm not 100% sure is true about the agency fit between or the matchup. Like uh, they're both Ivy and Tyrese Halliburton are represented by the same agency. Don't like the whole thing of how Halliburton was suddenly traded despite wanting to be 
you know, the heart and soul of a playoff winning or a playoff making Sacramento team, you know, like at the end of the day, and you saw this from a lot of Kings fans and just from, you know, uh, spectators was just, you know, who cares? It's a business. Like nobody cares about what you feel like. I mean, like, I know like it sucked to see Halliburton go, but even when he got traded, it was just like GQ wrote this really sappy piece about how hurt he was. And it's like, I get it, but it's like, man, you're playing in the NBA, man. Like, I don't know what you expect. I mean, like, first of all, it's like, it's a business and it's also like, I don't know. You still like, you're not going to feel this way in a little bit. I mean, like so many things change as it is. And you have so many opportunities at your disposal, no matter what franchise you're at. Um, And, you know, just getting attached to, you know, Mitchell, that just that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you just at the end of the day, of course, they get defensive of things, but it's just like, it's, it's a, unfortunately, it's a business. And that, that brings out a lot. Of, it seems so heartless because in a lot of ways it can be heartless. Um, but, you know, that's kind of the way it is. And if you're getting Ivy, like like you're saying, you know, you might actually be getting a better player. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know if Ivy as a rookie is necessarily 100% going to be better than Mitchell but he very well could be and Ivy could have a better rookie season than Mitchell did and there's a very good likelihood that Ivy's going to have a better career than Mitchell so and you're getting John Collins in that situation the point is it's a business and whether you're giving up Mitchell future draft capital or that combined with maybe a sign and trade with Dante DiVincenzo or something if the Hawks are looking to compete next season um, you're going to have to give up somebody you like you know and I'm, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. And I think opening yourself up to that is actually going to make whatever the hell happens tonight all the more fun, right? Yeah. I, yeah. It's exciting, dude. I, I, it couldn't, today couldn't get here soon enough. Let me tell you, it's, it's been a long couple of weeks, but, um, were, were you still talking? No. <laughs> 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 did it sound like I was still talking? I did. I don't know. It's, you could have. Um, <laughs> I didn't know if you just wanted me to say yeah, and then you're gonna get no, 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 no. <laughs> but um, no. I, I mean, can we just like take a step back and then like yes. appreciate uh, yeah. the fact before the Kings make their draft pick tonight? Can we just like appreciate we're in a position where so many people want the player that the Kings have the best odds of drafting. Like, it feels kind of nice. Like, yeah, we could have had one and got Jabari Smith or, you know, be top two and gotten Bancaro or Chet Holmgren. But um, I don't know. It just feels so nice, you know, like that fourth spot. It's like such an interesting draft position. Every We're we just like the bells of the ball right now. Every, everyone wants that fourth pick. And, you know, I, you know, the suitors are lining up trying to get it. But, you know, at the end of the day. It seems like the Kings are going to draft this guy, and it's just really exciting. I just don't feel like the Kings get that position a lot in the draft. Um, you know, the closest thing I can remember is getting that second pick, and we all know how that went, but we're not going to get into it. Cause, yeah, you know, it doesn't know, matter, and honestly, you know, Monty McNair has a way of doing things that's on his own. He didn't make that decision. It's a new, you know, front office. It's, you know... Whatever happens with this draft, you know, you're just going to have to talk about it at a different time. You can't, you can't, you know, have that crystal ball and guess what's going to happen. 
you know, based on what happened with a different front office, you know, I mean, obviously I do think that that does substantiate the argument that you, you know, because you're kind of in a position to, can, can you hear that? <laughs> just a little, yeah. it's okay. just, I think <laughs> they, you know, they get really angry when I, when I, when I'm here and, uh, cause I'm not, they're not usually with me. They get really angry when I say that they can't be on the podcast. So sometimes they'll just, <laughs> yell obscenities you know you're you're not that they're not that loud so if you if the <laughs> listeners don't if they don't know what we're talking about there's john has some dogs in the background trying to get on the podcast and say their two cents about the draft so yeah um, no really they just want to say obscene things they just want to say the vulgarities but um you know <laughs> i think i finished my point there what was i saying i <laughs> um i was talking about appreciating that um yeah yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you're right. And I think that all of that substantiates probably the idea that, you know, with the um, binary decision that they're basically in to either take Murray or Ivy, I just, it's why I would bet my money that Ivy goes fourth overall to Sacramento. But, you know, and that should be a source of excitement, I think, you know? Yeah, no, it really should. But kind of transitioning it a little to Murray because I mean, it seems like the Kings are really high on Murray still. Um, even with Ivy being the obvious fourth pick, they had Murray go out to dinner with Fox and Sabonis. Again, he seems like at this point in time, the better fit on the team. And he's a good player. It's not like, it's not like he's, like I said in this podcast already, it's not like he's like, very far behind Ivy. Ivy just obviously is the better player and the way the Kings have drafted in the past under McNair, it's best player available. But um, do you see any chance that the Kings take Murray with that fourth pick? Yeah, of course. I mean, even saying that the likelihood is that Ivy gets picked, I mean, that's not 100%. Um, you know, uh, it was reported that the Kings were becoming increasingly comfortable drafting at number four, um, mainly because of the steep price that they were asking for in, you know, if they were going to move back. And I think also in that same report by Shams, uh, he said that the idea of just drafting Murray number four was gaining steam with Mike Brown. And it was also something that Vivek Ranadive was, um, that he wanted to do. But of course, didn't, didn't Vivek kind of, I don't know. We don't need to get into that. But, um, you know, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where in, I think you just said this, that the whole thing that they, they took him to dinner and whatnot and, and all that. And he's had interviews with the Kings throughout the, the pre-draft process. And, you know, meanwhile, you know, Ivy hasn't worked out mm-hmm. or spoken to the Kings. Now, granted, um, you know, Davion Mitchell and Tyrese Halliburton didn't work out for the Kings either before they got drafted by the Kings. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but you know, all the reports surrounding Jaden, Jaden Ivy, it's, you know, they're, they're there, you know, um, of course it makes sense that the Kings just take Murray. Um, it, I kind of know, I, I don't know, maybe it depends. Like, I feel like they, they, they'd be settling on it. It's the, th- you know, it's the third possibility really, you know, either the Kings take Ivy, the Kings trade back with Detroit, for that one thing that Hollinger talked about, because I don't really know that any other trade happens. Um, or the Marvin Bagley? Can you trade back yeah. for Marvin Bagley? 
Did I say that? Oh, no, no for <laughs> for the Pistons. <laughs> yeah, uh, trade back with Detroit. Did I say Marvin Bagley? No, I, I just I just said it. Like, trade Honestly, back. I, I said, think ever since ever since the it. ever since the dog started barking, I'm second guessing everything I'm saying. Um, I think they're gonna come charging in here at any moment, you know. <laughs> but yeah, um, you're saying that the trade back. It's not funny. No, 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 no. I guess let me reiterate what I'm saying. Uh, let me clarify. Um, I'm saying you didn't say Marvin Bagley, though. Okay, yeah, no, I got you. It was a bad. No, I got you. That's understood. Okay. All right. <laughs> so you do know what I was saying, though, right? No, no. I. <laughs> yeah, I get. I get what you're saying. Right. The first. Yeah. The first. The, the thir- so the third possibility, it's you know the least likely of the three, but it's still possible is that the Kings just take Murray, and I think that that's going to have a lot to do with whether or not the smoke about Ivy not really wanting to be in Sacramento, if that has anything to do with it, you know, if Mark, what Mark Stein had to say had anything to do with it. Um, if the Kings really don't think he's all in to play in Sacramento, um, you know, that, that might be a reason to just take Murray and, you know, uh, we're going to get in like, again, we're going to get into this again, but um, you know, uh, Mike Brown He's kind of all in on trusting each other. Trust was a big theme of uh, what he wants from this team. And you ha- that means you have to buy in. You have to trust your teammates. And Good point. Mm-hmm. If Ivy's going to do that, that if, if that's an actual problem that these reports are saying it is, and again, who knows because the draft, I mean, like, who knows anything. But, you know, if that's true, that could be a big issue with Mike Brown. And, you know, on the other hand, Murray's been very positive about Sacramento and he's a high character guy. People have nothing but nice things to say about him for his effort in the way he's, you know, kind of just a humble, hard worker. So do I think, I think there's a huge chance the Kings take Murray. I just wouldn't put money on it. Um, Going back to that Ivy thing you said about, you know, does he want to come to Sacramento or is that going to be a problem? Like just kind of addressing that, like who, honestly, the in the way the Kings franchise has been this past decade, over a decade, like who who want what prospect wants to come to Sacramento? It, it almost feels right. I could see like a death sentence. It's like this from the outside is looking so in. incompetent. Yeah, I, I know it's different nowadays. Or you know we have Sabonis and Fox. It's like in the, the day, it's like it seems like the Kings have, you know possibly screwed up a lot of young people's careers i know we've had a lot of busts in these drafts i don't know sometimes it makes me wonder like what was our player development like like i I don't know just so many busts um when we've been picking in the lottery um yeah it's different now but it is scary looking and it's like i don't want to go to this you know basketball hell as people call it and waste my career away or waste my rookie years where I'm trying to, or my young years where I'm trying to develop in this league. And, you know, and of course guys want to come in and win and it'll kill your morale once you're, you know, maybe like we've kind of seen Fox's spark kind of die. It seems like over the last several years, no one likes losing, but um, I can see why, you know, maybe Ivy doesn't have that high character that Murray does. Cause I mean, I, I bet at the same time, Murray, Murray, probably doesn't want to come to Sacramento either. And I, I don't blame any of the people. I'm um, not saying he said that, but maybe he's thinking it. But he didn't, you know, he's good about it. He did a good interview where Ivy's kind of more blunt with it. 
But like at the end of the day, like we draft you too bad, so sad. You know, you're here. Um, but you know, you made a good point about trying to buy in. Um, you know, under Mike Brown, but uh, these guys are rookies. It's like they have a lot of say. I mean, yeah, they. There's really one thing. Don't. There's one thing that I forgot yeah. to say, which is the other yeah. important thing that you know Ivy said, which was the way he worded it was that like landing in Sacramento quote wouldn't be the worst. Yeah, the worst thing it's like yeah i don't know like maybe he's not totally opposed to come to sacramento but it doesn't seem like he's really excited to come you know and they you know factored that in as well and it's just like again i don't know i have no idea i'm not saying one way or the other but it's like it could really go either way in terms of whether he really wants to be here or not and like you're saying it wouldn't be a huge like could you blame him (laughs) you know it's just yeah. from the outside looking in, it's it's tough. It's it's you know what Rudy Gay called the basketball hell. Now the fans themselves call it that. You know it's just regarded as that, and it's like you know it's whether you're being self-deprecating or whether someone's poking a finger at another franchise. It's like people listen to that, and it's like ah, you know you'd be hard pressed not to ask whether you you really want to get involved with that franchise or not. Um, but you know. They, 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 who knows? Who knows? First day in the the building, you know, maybe the mindset changes, you know. Besides, it, speaking of it as a business decision, you know, if Ivy gets picked number four, you know, the Kings are going to be paying his salary. I don't think Ivy's going to be denying that fourth overall pick money, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it, I don't know. The Kings, it, it, I guess it just depends on that. Do they really value the fact that he wants to buy in or not and i guess that's the severity of of it as well but who knows but it, no i mean can very well play into it yeah i mean you, murray's that high character guy and that's the kings they really got to do a whole culture change and try to get this to like i guess a positive place to look at something we've lacked for a long time so i mean i guess that's a plus you know like an intangible intangible <laughs> i can't say it intangible um you had it the first time. <laughs> I think I added an extra in. But ah, um nobody's paying attention. Yeah, right. But um Yeah, I mean they they could definitely see that and, you know, be a reason to draft him over Ivy. I mean, yeah, I agree. You don't want you don't want to bring in a guy who's going to mope around. But like at the end, like no one wants to come to sack. If the dude's in sack, but he still, you know, plays his heart out. You still got to be a star in this league somehow. And, you know, everyone everyone drafted wants to be a star like that. So um, I don't think he's just going to throw it away because he got drafted to a city he didn't prefer or, you know, right. you know, not the worst option of a place. So, mm-hmm. um, And there's like also it's important to note that it's just like just in case we're not clarifying this, it's not that Jaden Ivey has a low character. Or that's a question. It's not really that at all. In fact, it's just that. Murray is such a high character guy that if this is an issue with Ivy, we at least know for a fact that it won't be an issue at all with Murray. So, exactly. You know, just no good. Yeah. Good clarification. But um, if you had to choose, if you had to predict what was happening tomorrow when the Kings get on the clock or even before, because I mean, there was, you know, I guess some speculation about the second pick, but What's happening tomorrow on draft day with the Kings? 
I think that just to keep it as simple as possible, just to keep it about the draft and the collateral effects will figure itself out. Um, I think that no trade happens. I think McNair sticks to his philosophy. I don't think that anything's going to get him away from that, although it could. The playoff you know, edict from Vivek Ranadive exists. Uh, his job is essentially on the line if they don't make the playoffs. Um, but I think that he sticks to his guns and he takes Ivy. And whatever happens after that, whether that involves getting you know, John Collins or somebody else and getting rid of Mitchell or future draft capital or someone else or a group of other guys, whatever it is, I think that if the Kings are indeed going to pick at number four, as I think they are, they're going to be forced to. They're not going to get the value you know, to, to pull them back. Um, they're going to take the best player available and figure out everything else afterwards. And, you know, that that might mean all sorts of things. But I just think that, uh, you know, the Kings have to make the playoffs. Um, and this is a league and uh, where everybody is constantly thinking about their own futures and what their objectives are. And for a lot of teams, that's making the playoffs as well. And so it's tough to make, you know, uh, the playoffs, especially in the West. The, you know... Uh, the Clippers had a few injuries this season, didn't make the playoffs, you know? And it, it, it could be so hard to make. You know, the Lakers had all these big names. I mean, they got rid of all their defensive potential, but, you know, they finished 11th in the conference. And so it's, it's difficult. So it's an evolving, fluid situation, constantly having to improve this roster. And I think that with that, you know, I think the one sure thing at this point if the objective is to have the best roster to make the best decision here, um, that might mean just taking Ivy and then figuring it out everything afterwards. Cause you are at the end of the day, getting a huge talent in Jaden Ivy. Um, who knows what his rookie year is going to look like, but he has a potential to be very good. I know the NBA ready players that they talk about is frequently Bancaro and uh, Smith shooting uh, at number one overall and um, Keegan Murray. But Ivy's right there. He has a potential to put up a lot of points. And, you know, I think, you know, I never really thought that he couldn't play with Fox. I just thought that that was a lot of guards. You're stockpiling a lot of uh, value into one position, basically. Um, And that might hurt the overall playoff pursuit. But, like, thinking about things in another way, if you just get Ivy and, you know, adjust from there – Ivy and Fox, that that could be that could be fun. I mean, if you that say Ivy really and Fox fun. can't, if Ivy and Fox can't play together, then what the hell are you talking about Mitchell and Fox playing together? I don't know. I just I don't see what the idea is there. Um, yeah, I agree. So I, at the end of the day, keep it short. They're going to take Ivy number four overall, um, and figure it out from there. Uh, what do you think? Um. Yeah, I think they're going to stay at four and take Ivy. Um, I just, yeah, there's, there's no big trade. It seems like that would lure the Kings to trade out of that fourth spot. Um, unless the Pistons can somehow offer something good enough with a pick swap where the Kings can take Murray. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're staying at the forward picking Ivy, especially with the news about John Collins. Um, you know, 
it seems like the Kings have a good chance of drafting or not drafting, trading for John Collins to, to fill that power forward spot. Uh, it seems like the Hawks are trying to trade him by today. Um, so, I mean, it can look like a whole new team after tonight. Um, but and it kind of diminishes the need for Keegan Murray. That fit kind of fades away if you, the Kings really think that they can get Collins because there goes the power forward position. Um, and then you you get the power forward, and then you have one of the top players in the draft uh, in Ivy. That'd be huge. Um, it'd be a very satisfying uh, way to walk away from Thursday from today. So, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, but that's, but, but because mm-hmm. we both picked the same thing, let's let's try to appeal to what I think you know. Um, I know I said it's the third most possible thing, but it's going to be probably the second option at their disposal ultimately, just considering that a trade doesn't happen. Um, taking Ivy number four. Uh, SI's Jeremy Wu said that he thinks that all signs point to that. That's probably based on the reporting that, you know, there's a liking of Murray throughout the, the organization. And um, though, it, you know, that reporting doesn't say anything about McNair liking Murray. That's important to know. Um, you know, they took him out to dinner, though, with Fox and Sabonis. That's kind of an interesting thing. Um, you know, uh, of course, there's people out there like Matt George who really like the idea of taking Murray number four. And there are plenty of people who just think that all this other discussion is a distraction from the fact that Murray is the guy to take at number four. Um, and as we laid out earlier, there's a very real possibility that that happens. Um, so, you know. If someone's out there going like, no, the Kings are going to take Murray at number four, I would say that you probably, you, you very well could be right. Um, I think the likelihood, you know, and the Kings would rather trade back with Detroit probably and get Murray rather than taking Murray number four. But I just think maybe probably taking, the it comes down to the Kings using the fourth pick and it comes down to whether they want to take Murray or Ivy. So there's a very good chance that they do take Murray. I would say maybe it's like 60-40 Ivy Murray in my mind. You know? Do you see anything coming out of left field and just, you know, the Kings trading, um, like the talking trades, like just something like someone, like a team offers like an all-star for the four pick. Like say the um, the Jazz, they just offer like Donovan Mitchell and, and, you know, somehow work out a trade. But that brings Mitchell to sack and sends the fourth pick to Utah. Do you see anything crazy like that possibly happen, happening? Um, well, you know, I, I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know if I 100% believe that it was going to happen, but I do believe the title was correct, that there was if there was any star that was going to land in Sacramento from a trade, it was going to be uh, Donovan Mitchell. Um, I don't, I can't rule it out. I mean, that's the whole point of things coming out of left field, right? I mean, like, I don't, you're not expecting it. Um, so I, I don't know, but you know, the, the, there's a possibility of that. Of course. I mean, like, uh, there's a reason everybody's using the damn word smoke screens this time of year, every year. Um, because sometimes reports come out to mask what executives really want to do. And maybe something like that's in the cards and, Hell, it could be happening, you know, it could break in five minutes. You'd be listening to this, it could have already broken. Who knows? Things change on a fly. But 
you know, I don't know, I guess. I, I, I haven't thought about that particularly. I guess that would be one. Um, maybe something, maybe Bradley Beal's like, no, you know, screw my financial future um, for now with the big deal <laughs> that the Wizards want to give me that would set me up for life and who cares about winning and I can't say I blame the guy. Um, you know, I think that the Sacramento Kings can win if I go there and he changes his mind and is like, let's, let's do that trade. And cause the wizards are at, at uh, number 10, right? Yeah. Number 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, that's not a super fall, you know, super far fall back. You, I don't know if you'll be able to get Jeremy Sochan, which is what a lot of people figured would be the Kings number one pick if they were going to trade back a few spots um, because he just came in for a workout and did a meeting with them. I think this week, so, and obviously he'd be a great fit, you know, high effort guy that, uh, from Baylor, good defender. Um, he would fit in perfectly. Um, but you know, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I mean, I don't really know if anything like that happens. Um, I think, you know? I, I think, I think the reason I brought it up is that it doesn't seem like any of the trades that we have been discussing, like the Pacers or the Knicks or the Hornets or the Pistons, it doesn't seem like any of those are going to happen. They just don't have yeah. that pool. So I, I think if a trade does happen, it will be like a curveball. It's like, oh, like I did not see this coming. We didn't hear any report about this. Um, so I, I think if a trade does happen, it will be one we aren't expecting and something, you know, at the 11th hour, possibly, just mm-hmm. kind of thrown out there. It's like, okay, well, this team's really high on Ivy. They want him. So, I mean, a lot of teams are high on Ivy. And, you know, there were reports that, you know, the Wizards and, you know, these lottery teams want him. But it, it didn't just say, like, those were the only teams. It said a lot of teams, a lot of teams are interested in Ivy. Um, I think they said everyone from, like, 5 to 12 has asked about it. Yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure, you know, people in the late – first round or you know just every team they're probably interested i mean not saying that they have what it takes to offer uh, to get it but it seems like there are probably more teams than just the five through 12 that have ivy and may might try to make a move to get them um I don't know. I haven't thought about this situation too much, so I don't know. I, I think <laughs> you're right, off the I mean, top of my head. I mean, everybody would want to move up to number four to get Ivy. I mean, like, the Thunder have the number two pick. They're going to get Holmgren most likely. Um, but I also read that the Thunder would love to, in addition to the four, to the second pick, somehow get the fourth pick. Um, they would love to get Jaden Ivy as well. Now, of course, that's, like, greedy as hell, but... Um, you know, they could find a way to do it. They have two other first round picks, another pick in the lottery, I think at 13, right? Or not 13. I think 12. 12, yeah. And, you know, um, I don't know. I guess one of the things that I thought about was like, maybe the Wizards could somehow try to find a way to move up to four um, with like a Kuzma deal, but it'd have to be like Kuzma and some consider. It'd probably have to be like, like another future draft pick, right? Because I just don't like Kuzma doesn't carry the any weight. It's like that doesn't sway anybody. I mean, if Jeremy Grant and John Collins are having trouble convincing people to be included for a pick for the fourth pick for good reason, I mean, like get out of here with Kuzma, you know? Yeah. But uh-huh. if you can get, I don't know, if they could somehow just pile on and really offer a lot because they're just crazy about Jaden Ivey, um, which I'm not 100 percent sure is going to happen. I mean, like maybe that something like that occurs, but. I don't know. I just, 
you know, I was, you know, I just think that however you start thinking about this, it's like the only thing you can really settle on is like, yeah, I don't know. They're just probably going to use that fourth pick, but I don't know. Can't think of anything crazy. I mean, like, like we said, you know, Jeremy Grant getting traded, that takes a whole scenario out. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows if that was ever going to happen? I don't know if Detroit was going to, or you know, I, I have no idea. Maybe it would have, but I don't know. It's uh kind of kind of interesting. But like I said, you know, not knowing. I mean, like, damn, that's the fun part. Yeah, it's um, five thirty. Can't get here quick enough today. Couldn't have gotten here quick enough. And <laughs> just all the suspense building up. I'm ready, just for to, to say that the Kings are on the clock, and see what they do. Um, and that's kind of the beauty of it too, is like, sometimes, you know, you come into these drafts and it's like, okay, like who are the Kings going to get? They're going to like make a trade or this. And it's like, okay, sometimes not necessarily a letdown, but it's not as exciting. Like even when the Kings drafted Davion Mitchell, I didn't expect him to draft Mitchell, but it was like, almost like, eh, like, okay, cool. And I like Mitchell a lot. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that like, exciting appeal around it, but it's like, whether the Kings, hopefully you know i I think there's two scenarios either that would be exciting uh, excluding drafting murray would be like the king either trade it for like a good haul in return or they draft ivy and even just drafting ivy it's exciting in itself because this dude has potential to be a star in this league and i don't know like when's the last time the kings drafted someone like that marvin bagley I mean, it happens every year. They they draft and always in the lottery, but some someone like the media is super high on, and so like you can't go wrong. I mean, you can definitely be a letdown and draft. You know, I'm not saying Murray wouldn't be exciting, but you know, I think it let a lot of people down with Ivy still there, or you know, just making a bad trade, which I don't see happening, um, mm-hmm. considering uh, the reports coming out saying that. The Kings are, you know, have that fourth pick with a significant price attached to it. So um, it's exciting regardless of what the Kings do, as long as McNair makes the right move, which I think is drafting Ivy at that four or trading for a um, a big haul in return and hopefully staying in that lottery, which is probably most likely if they trade it. But um, yeah, we'll see. Just or to, even just trading to, it just to, to back money. up. Yeah. Just to back up this thing that we're saying that they're probably going to take Ivy, I do want to point out what Wasserman said uh, from Bleach Report. He said that he would bet against, and I love that language because that's really all you can do these days. He would bet against the Kings using that fourth pick to take Murray or anyone else like Sharp or anybody like that. But like, yeah, it's a no brainer. Um, you know. This is, this is, this, I, I just, I do think that everything, I mean, this is probably going to happen if I had to bet money on it again. And uh, like you're saying, it's, it's exciting and it's a big acquisition in a way. And, uh, you know, that's a bigger swing for the fences, honestly. And I think that that, I mean, like taking the best player available and swinging for the fences, those are the two things that you can commend Monty McNair for so far. Uh, he took the best player available uh, two years in a row, got two good players. And with the first one, he swung for the fences and traded him for uh, Sabonis. So, I don't know. It just makes too much sense. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, 
Yeah, it's it's best player available. That's Monty. Um, I, I think. I mean, you take Ivy. I, I just I just think it happens. I'd be surprised if you know in the first three goes we think, and the Kings don't trade it. I'd be surprised if it's not Ivy. I'd be really surprised. So, I mean, I like Murray. I wouldn't be sad if we took Murray, but I think it's just, you know, Ivy has the most potential, best player available. I'd be shocked if we didn't draft him at that four spot. Right. Uh, Well, before moving on to the next thing, just kind of keeping it on the draft, this is kind of impromptu, but uh, I just wanted to, it doesn't have to be a long discussion, but I just wanted to advocate for two second-round prospects that I really like. Um, uh, first of all, I want to preface this by saying, I don't remember where I read this, but it was from a credible source, uh, one of the big publications. Uh, and uh, it said that don't. there's like a good chance that there's going to be a lot of guys that you think are going to get drafted, like in the second round, that are not going to get drafted because they're guys that want to sign two-way contracts and kind of want to like, you know, be able to capitalize on what they can offer now. Um, and they said that they're probably going to use second round draft capital more on stash away players from overseas or, you know, guys that are more, um, I guess you would say like high upside, you know, kind of like taking a gamble on. Um, so that kind of works for my first guy who's uh, Gabriel Presida. And I know he's a lot of guys guy um, because he's a hell of a shooter. And he just looks smooth and he glides out there and uh, watching him come around screens. While it's not like reminiscent of Clay Thompson, it doesn't really look like Clay Thompson. He does it in a way that it's like, wow, he's pretty good at that. Kind of like Clay Thompson's really good at that. You know, that's kind of a half comparison there. But uh, looks a little different, plays a little differently. Um, has a good little hop to him. But it's, again, it's all, it's all that shooting. And the guy's just a smooth shooter. It looks like his skill set could fit right into the NBA, you know, just be that kind of three-point specialist, catch-and-shoot guy, move around screens, um, you know. And he's got a pretty good basketball IQ. Um, he, he, I think he would be a guy that, you know, I think a lot of people have him ranked in mock drafts getting picked 40th, you know, between the 40s and the early 50s. Um, but based on what I, you know, said about who I couldn't remember where I read it from, but I think that you could have. I think he'd be worth taking at thirty-seven, and then at forty-nine, I would really like to see the Kings take Ron Harper Jr., son of Ron Harper, um, out of Rutgers, because you know that's a big-body guy with basketball instincts and leadership and playmaking ability and maybe even ability to shoot. But we'll see about that. He's got a really low release, but you know, I just think that he could be like a really like good role player like he would come in and find a way to play in the league he seems like he's you know got a lot of things that you can't teach both body and instincts and iq and uh i think that those are the type of guys especially at that point in the draft if he's available i I think he's worth taking so you know maybe they don't take any of those guys um we have a few articles up about the 37th and 49th pick on the site but um, those two guys in particular, I think that if the Kings could come away and get those two guys, I think they'd be getting a steal in the second round. A couple of steals in the second round. Or maybe not steals, but really high-value players. Um, I know that was kind of off the cuff but and out of nowhere, but um, you know, it's draft night. Things come out of left field, right? Um, yeah. No, no, I don't know I, if you had any second-round picks that uh, came to mind at all or if, you know. 
No, <laughs> I don't. The, the uh, fourth pick, the fourth pick takes so much attention. It's hard to get anybody talking about anything other than that. Especially I mean, since it's the Kings that have that. I mean, like you're talking about Kings second round picks, people would be like, "Yeah, tell me that. We'll talk about that after the Kings, you know, do what they're going to do with the fourth pick." You know, I see. <laughs> I I I just don't like talking about second round picks. I'm not barely interested in them either. But a lot a lot of Kings fans, they get a they I don't know maybe not at, not all Kings fans out there are obsessed with second rounders, but some of them get really into it. And or even after draft nights, like wow, like what a team! And they they they're like putting like these second rounders like in the like the depth charts. Like look at this depth. Yeah. It's like that's fair. They're second rounders, guys. Like let's yeah. take a breather. Like how many second rounders have we drafted in the last <laughs> ten years that have done anything? Like Frank Mason, maybe Isaiah Thomas. Oh Isaiah, yeah, okay, there you go. But like, you know, I just want to clarify Wait. something. Just to clarify something, I do think that you're absolutely a hundred percent right. But you know, Presida might spend a few more years over overseas, and then Ron Harper Jr. is not going to play in his rookie year. I don't think he's going to play. He'd have to really earn it. But I just think that that's a guy you bet on. You're betting on what his upside is at that point. You know, I'm not like high on them. Like, hey, he could be in there and he could play 18 minutes a game. Like, no, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I know you're not that. But I just see, you know, like Kata. I like Kata. Like, he seems like a good guy. But I see a lot. It's like, why isn't Kata playing? It's like, come on. Why? He was drafted 48th or whatever he was. You you could see it when he was out there on the floor. He's got a lot of athletic ability and stuff like that. But there's just a lack there in the field for the game, I feel like. He's a little awkward out there. there. There's a reason second rounders are second rounders. I'm rooting for them all the way. But it's just, you know the probability that they turn into an NBA player is very low. Like an NBA mm-hmm. established player. Um, I don't know. I just kind of why I don't dwell on second round picks, but Presida, I'm Italian. It'd be awesome to get him. I'm always rooting for those Italians. Um, Italians yeah. you can shoot, man. Yeah. Is Fans will remember Marco saw, Bellinelli. Yeah. Yeah. The, he had his worst three point shooting season <laughs> in his career on the Kings, of course. Yeah, Gabriel um, Prestito is probably looking at his basketball reference page, uh, Bellinelli's, and going like, "Oh, maybe I don't want to get drafted to that." Yeah, <laughs> like, I hope I can go to San Antonio. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no. Thanks for bringing that up. I mean, we do have two second round picks, and they are going to be used unless we trade them. So, uh, no, no, that was a good insight right there. Yeah, but um, you know, we kind of mentioned it earlier in terms of. Uh, uh, the kind of just substantiating maybe why the Kings might take Murray might be because some of these reports have some truth behind it that Murray doesn't want to be here, that he's not all in for Sacramento or whatever. And the reason that that obviously seems like that would be a problem for this team um, would be obvious if you watched Mike Brown's press conference. Um, was that Tuesday? Tuesday afternoon? Um, because, you know, he seemed all in i mean like you know it's a press conference you're introducing a guy you're meeting a lot of new people and there's a lot of new faces in the media and whatnot and it's kind of awkward and you just got these big grins you're just grinning the whole time and you're i'm sure everybody's faces were hurting um but you know there were a lot of things to take away from that press conference and a lot of things that you know you're gonna have to wait for the hard results to come out but you know off to a good start in terms of maybe changing the image and uh, culture of this 
uh, franchise, which seems to be the goal. Yeah, it was. It's. It feels like relaxing almost to a point to bring in a guy like Mike Brown. Um, you know, just an established guy. Um, he's had success on his own. Um, whether you know it, that success was tied to LeBron or Kobe, he he was a head coach in this league, brought a team to the finals, um, and then you know on top of that, spending what seven years under Kerr. Winning six, I think. six, winning, you know, some championships along the way, coming off of one. Um, you, I just feel like calm in the sense like we have someone at the head coaching position that knows what they're doing. Like, I just, they know what they're doing. It's not someone trying to establish themselves. Like, it would have been exciting to get Ham or, um, yeah, who was that guy on the Celtics? I didn't even Will Hardy. Will Hardy, yeah. Um, you know, it would have been fun to try to get those guys and try to find the next, you know, big thing and coach, but you know, my Utah might take Will Hardy for all we know. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, it's nice having a guy who's respected around the league, who has experience, who, you know, preaches defense. Um, no, it's awesome. And I'm glad, I'm glad we could get Brown. I'm glad he's happy to be here. Um, he said a lot of good things and, you know, he he checked all of uh, McNair's boxes, and it seems like they're going to have a good relationship going into this, um, which is important. Of course, you want a good relationship between your GM and coach. And uh, no, I I mean, it's awesome. I, they made they I think they made the right call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like you said, McNair's guy it looks like that's a good partnership there, even if it ends up only being for one season. But we'll see. Um, you know, hopefully the whole everything works out here, um, and you know nobody's prematurely fired or nobody feels that that's the case. But um, you know, um, he worked with uh, Wilcox, Wes Wilcox, the assistant GM in in Cleveland, um, and I, I know he told Bob Myers because Bob Myers, the GM of the Warriors, would frequently ask you know uh, Mike Brown because you know everybody knows he wants to be a coach again. You know, he, he it's such a fruitful. Um, time in Cleveland and even his one full season in LA wasn't terrible. They made the playoffs and they were above average defensive team, but he asked him, you know, what kind of job would you be looking for to leave the stability of the Warriors? You know, the stability of the Warriors that drew Atkinson back to golden state after kind of committing to the Hornets head coaching job. Um, And Brown would tell him, and this was reported by Sam Amick uh, just the other day. Um, who interviewed Mike Brown. Uh, Brown told Bob Myers that he'd want to go somewhere where he, you know, had a good relationship with the front office and the GM and the assistant GM. And that's exactly what's going on here. And so it's good to see that match up. And I just think also just like whether or not it works, it's nice to know that, you know, Brown comes with a plan. And, you know, uh, I know Steve Kerr cited Mike Brown as being like a, uh, inspiration in terms of being more organized and he's kind of just an organized person himself um, from the way he dresses to the way he takes notes um, even as an assistant there in Golden State um, you know Brown comes with a list of things that he's going to focus on for this franchise to become a winning culture you know he wants to 
make sure th- you could probably hear the dogs again. I'm sorry, <laughs> but um, <laughs> he wants there to be an alignment of trust uh, throughout the organization. He wants there to be a set of values that he, you know, is the leader of uh, basically upholding. Uh, he wants everybody to embrace the role. That's really important. Um, you know, he further went on to say that he wants to preach defense, you know, with communication, trust, and effort. And like, of course, it's like he's saying all these things, and you're like, it's like that Jack Nicholson meme from the uh, from the Departed, the GIF where he's just nodding. You know, um, it's just like, <laughs> yes, yes, he's just saying everything you want him to say. But it's like, also, you're like, eh, well, I guess anybody could say this. But Mike Brown, one of the things that takes away from that doubt is the fact that like you said he comes with experience he was coach of the year he's been to the nba finals uh as a head coach he won three as an assistant um you know if anybody's gonna fix this it's him and i know that when we were talking about from the very start you know at the end of the season we were talking about who would be good candidates you know we were kind of talking about kenny atkinson a lot which is, you know, it's a shame it didn't work out. But we were talking about Kenny Atkinson for a lot of the same reasons that we like Brown. It's just a balanced approach, comes with some experience, and, you know, comes with a defensive kind of focus. But it might even be more so with Brown, you know? So it's 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 cool. So, I you know, I think that like Draymond Green said, uh, or there's a good possibility what Draymond Green said is true, is that with Brown coming here, that playoff drought's going to end really soon. And, um, you know, if anybody's going to do it, it's probably him. Yeah. Maybe you said it well. Yeah, it's uh, ready for Brown to take the reins, see what he can do with his new draft pick, with his new team. And, you know, the draft tonight, it's going to, you know, it's going to check off one of those boxes. We got the head coach. We're going to have our draft pick soon. Um, Maybe a trade with John Collins. And then, you know, free agencies right around the corner. We'll see what uh what team that Brown has to walk into the season with, but you know I'm expecting good things. Um, Kings are built to win right now, and I think Brown's a perfect guy to bring in. You know, a team that doesn't have much success in the past, but is built to win at the moment. I mm-hmm. think Brown's the perfect man for that job, and uh, I, I think, think that's he- another reason he took the job. And I, I know we said this a couple months ago. We said you know considering the trade deadline move and the way the Kings played, you know, they didn't win games, but the way that they played, the way the guys carried themselves, the way other teams regarded them. Um, Sacramento has, you know, the, the, the head coaching job has some appeal when it was vacant. And very clearly, Brown saw that. And it's not just with the front office. It's like you said, it's with these players, particularly Fox. I mean, he likes Fox and Sabonis. He thinks they're a top three pick and roll tandem. I think that that could be true. Um, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, I know he's probably talking up his guys, but, you know, do it for a full season, really show the league. You know, that's important. Um, That'd be kind of important with anything that he said in this press conference. Let's show it first. But, you know, he's very high on De'Aaron Fox. And another thing that Sam Amick noted in his piece uh, after talking to Brown was that Fox is, like, really committed and he's ready to come after it from day one of training camp, which is really important because we know about all the reports of him being out of shape and having, trying to got, get bigger, I guess, um, coming into the year, it kind of took a step away from him and that affected his play early on. And um, he's very clearly committed to not doing that. And one of the things that's really interesting is that um, Darren Fox is getting married this summer 
and his fiance played basketball at Cal. And the Warriors, when Luke Lux was uh, the player development coach there, uh, the Warriors had a like player development program at Cal and I think around at other colleges too, but they were having it at Cal with the women's basketball team for people that were interested in becoming coaches after being student athletes. And um, Lux worked with Darren Fox's fiance, um, you know, before he was, she was his fiance and they got to know each other, really liked each other. And freaking long story short, uh, when Fox goes on his honeymoon, you know, who's going to the same place, Luke Lux, they're going to be working together while he's on his honeymoon. So, I mean, like if that ain't determination, I mean, like, it seems like there's a marriage here. There's a bit of a communal marriage here with the Kings. You saw it even when uh, Mike Brown made that joke to McNair that um, McNair probably answers the phone more for work and for Mike Brown than he does for his wife. You know, obviously <laughs> that's not true, but it's like you're it, with that joke uh, with uh, Luke Lux going on the honeymoon. I mean, like, I know I said you you have to wait on the hard results and you do, but it's like, man, the guy's going on his honeymoon. It's like this is there's a lot to go off of why you know why people should be kind of excited for what's going on because Darren Fox is going to be a huge part of what this team does if he can give that consistent play or give that play that he was giving before he got hurt consistently throughout next season. He's gonna be an all star, and this team could very well be in the playoffs. Yeah, that, that's a bonus trade totally rejuvenated Darren Fox. You saw it right when they made that trade. He just went on a tear, and his attitude kind of changed. His you know body language changed. Um, and yeah, going to this off season, the first full off season, um, you know, and going into the next season with a full year of Sabonis and these other players, um, you know, it, it's probably refreshing for Fox who had to go into the last three seasons you know with a bunch of nobodies no no other all-stars on the team um no real chance of making the playoffs and um no it's great to see fox you know really kind of i guess falling in love with competing again and trying to be that guy so um i guess that's a bonus trade you know didn't just get bring some bonus in but it kind of brought the life back out in fox Life back it's out that, in Fox. Mm-hmm. It's that swinging for the fences thing. And, you know, I don't know if I have much else to say about the press conference because, you know, that speaks for itself. And like I said, we're going to have to see what the results are um, in the end. Um, but it's that swinging for the fence move that McNair does, and it paid off. And just to circle back to the draft, I, that's why it just makes a whole lot of sense to drive, draft Ivy. Uh, keep swinging for the fences. It seems to be working for you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good point. No draft five thirty tonight. Um, King shouldn't pick too long after that. You know, one of their highest picks since the 2018 draft. And, uh, everybody knows those top three, it'll be rolling right off. Adam Silver yeah. might as well just stay out there with three cards, but it's still going to take the whole five minutes as it does for every pick, but <laughs> got to build um, up the freaking, you know, right. Anticipation. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be an exciting time. By the time we're all together next week talking, it's gonna gonna have a lot of talk about for what the Kings did. So exciting times here, exciting day. I hope you all enjoy the draft. Um, you know, if anyone's going to that draft party, have fun, have a good time. Um, do you have anything else to add? No, just it can't come any sooner. 
Yep, can't come any sooner. Uh, we're going to be watching the clock uh, until it gets here at 5.30. So enjoy yourself until then. And, uh, you know, McNary's going to make that right move. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. So we're in good hands. But until next time, have a good one.